Coming up, what have we learned from two close losses to open this season for the Brooklyn Nets? We dive in on what the numbers tell us about the best combinations, where Jock Vaughn can make improvements in late game adjustments, and how the Brooklyn Nets maximize the talent on this roster and convert tight games into wins. We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I'm Adam Armbrecht covering the New York football giants all the way to the bottom on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use promo code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And what I can bet you $100 is that the Brooklyn Nets are going to win games, darn it. And we wanted to take a look here at a couple of different ways that I think the Nets can make adjustments and continue to get sample sizes on what could be quality rotations throughout the course of this season. We understand that Jacques Vaughn has had his missteps in these games, obviously. There's a segment of the fan base that, that wants that to be the sole issue here. But I think there are growing pains about finding out how these pieces fit together. There's obviously growing pains when you don't have Nicholas Claxton for the second game and you don't have Cameron Johnson for the second game. And by the way, they're not going to be available for Monday night either. But in the absence specifically of Nicholas Claxton, we saw how Ben Simmons thrived, especially with Cam Thomas. That has been a really fun pairing to watch over the course of this season. And it got me thinking about how do you maximize the value of this roster? Doug Norrie, who took care of the post-game podcast live on YouTube after the Dallas Mavericks loss, alluded to us discussing this. How do the Nets put together their best rotations and roster when the reality is, unlike most teams where you say, put your five best players on the court and let's go. That may not be feasible for the Brooklyn Nets for a number of different reasons. Right off the top is because, well, two of your five best players are Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton, and it doesn't look like those guys can play together. And you can see how the offense opened up in a much better way when Claxton was out against Dallas. And we also saw, going back to game number one, how when Claxton was put into a second unit, essentially surrounded by all shooters with Lonnie Walker, I think uh, you had also, excuse me, Spencer Dinwiddie in there. You had Cam Thomas, I think you had Royce O'Neal maybe. Those combinations, well, yeah, one, one athletic big that can run the floor and can help move the ball around a little bit and can defend the paint and is versatile on that end too, that, that worked as well. So what is the version that adds up to the Brooklyn Nets being able to have sustained success? And I really do think that if we go back and talk about this offseason, Doug and I debated about Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal and even Spencer Dinwiddie and what should this team be doing. But now that you come into this season, you know these players are a part of it, you have to try to figure out, in addition to the newcomers, Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, we've mentioned Trenton Watford here, not sure when that sample is necessarily coming, but you want to find a way to integrate these players as well and find a way to have success. Now, the problem is, if we say you're not, you're not going to put Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton together, then we think about though the other top five guys. And, I, and, I, and we're probably getting very close if we're not already at the point. I think we probably are at the point 
where Cam Thomas is, is as much in the conversation as being one of the top five best players. But if you thrust him into the starting lineup, who are you taking out? Is it going to be Spencer Dinwiddie and moving him to the second unit? Okay, maybe. But I actually think there's a, a more productive way to go about this that, that ideally doesn't diminish anyone's value to this team. I went over and looked at some of the numbers, and it's a small sample size. But Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas play to a little bit over, a little bit north of a minus 16 net rating when they share the court together. Now, it's a small sample size, and it includes last year as well, 133 minutes. And you're not going to overreact to something like that. But what I can react to is in that Dallas game, you can go and watch. Cam Thomas is an, is an on-ball player. He's most productive when he's on ball. There's not a problem with that. But there is a problem with mitigating the value of Mikhail Bridges. And he's had some slow starts these first couple of games. He's come on a little bit later, and he acknowledged it as well. And I'm not denying that in the end, these players will need to share the court. And we're going to talk about clutch moments at the back end of this game, usage rates, true shooting percentage, and how you want some of these things to bear out. But there's a note inside those numbers as well that alludes to this point about Mikhail Bridges and not being functional enough inside the offense. So if we peel back, and this includes going back to last season as well, the Nicholas Claxton, Mikhail Bridges, and Cameron Johnson minutes when they shared the court together. And we know that was a part of a starting rotation after the trades that included Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, they played 438 minutes together and to a plus 8.48 net rating, 117.39 on offense, 108.90 on defense. It was quality. Now, they didn't win a lot of those games, and that can be about not having a closer, right? Not being able to get over the hump. But you add in Cam Thomas to that mix, and you add in Ben Simmons to that mix this season, and this team hopefully can look different. So you know that that's good. When you added in Dorian Finney-Smith last year and including the small two-game sample size this year, 343 minutes, a 627 positive rating, and virtually the same, 117-111 offensive-defensive rating as well. So you know that those units work together. The question becomes is how do you get from that unit into your second unit? So if you want to start with Ben Simmons in the starting rotation, well, now you have Nick Claxton there. And, you know, the ceremonials we often talk about. These guys are going to start. Who comes out first? Who comes out quickest and makes space for this team to be successful? But we know that this pairing can work. And we know that Spencer Dinwiddie played inside of that. And when he did, he had career numbers when it came to assist. He was among the top in the league over those last 26, 27 games facilitating. Now, that may diminish his shooting value, but you can manipulate that. You can also look at it from a couple different ways, too, because I don't want this to get zero down into, well, is the defensive rating only that good because Claxton's on the floor? We mentioned last year that Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges were not as good by, by most metrics defensively as we'd like them to be. We'll go ahead and run the Bridges, Johnson, Dorian, Finney, Smith lineup. Now that's 456 minutes, a 409 plus, a 116.54 offensive, and a 112.45 defensive. Still quality, still in the plus. And you still have length inside of that rotation as well. You need to have a Dorian, uh, excuse me, a, a Spencer Dinwiddie inside of this because you need on-ball creation. We know that, and that's the difference of a Nicholas Claxton versus a Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons can be on-ball; he can facilitate. It's where if I want to expand this out and think about, so how do you maximize this value? Well, at some point, and we're not talking starting rotation; we're talking units that we think play well and function well together. I think Dennis Smith Jr. can be a part of that role. 
He's not a shooter traditionally. We know he knocked down a couple of triples in the corner. We also know that in that Dallas game late, he spent way too much time on the ball and not getting into the hands of Mikhail Bridges and other shooters that are around him on the court. But if he plays that pure role, then you can start to bring him in, put him into the facilitator spot, allow Spencer Dinwiddie to work off ball, allow Mikhail Bridges to get into some ISO sets, and still have defensively a ton of size and versatility. You still have Nick Claxton on the floor. You can have Dorian Finney-Smith on the floor for stretches if you want. You still have Mikhail Bridges. Spencer Dinwiddie has size, even if he's not the best. They did a nice job in game two trying to fight over top of screens, trying to switch everything. The communication was that much better. There's a version of this thing that already worked a year ago. And I wouldn't be shocked if we find ourselves progressing through this season and the early stages get looked back on, let's get sample sizes on some of the new things that we have. And then at a certain point, let's define what we are. Let's set these roles and let's try to move forward with them. So that's what we know has worked for the Brooklyn Nets and what can work for them. How do they feather that into a second unit? How do they maximize Cam Thomas, who's been electric this year, who's been leading the team in scoring, who should be one of their closers late in games, and Jock Vaughn needs to correct that? We'll come back in and take a look at how Cam Thomas could feather across these lines, how Ben Simmons could be critical to that, and the other key players that can fill out this rotation to make the Brooklyn Nets among one of the more balanced, deep rosters when it comes to going into bench units. Let's dive into that here in just one second. But first, got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. That's because you know that you could be having some of the most fun throughout the NFL season, just like me, by winning up to 25 times your money. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on the projected stats, and place your entry. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types that is what makes Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app and allows you to turn $10 into $250 with just a few quick taps. And all of a sudden, you know that with PrizePix reboot policy, your entries can stay alive even longer if one of them gets injured. For an NFL game and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance as well. So not only great ways to win, but also some protection against those player losses. You go over to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code, all lowercase, LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA, promo code, all lowercase, LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, so as we continue this discussion around forming these best lineups, how can this team win? Is it too much to say that some late-game sequences, maybe the Brooklyn Nets could be 2-0 and right now, and would we be as concerned with this? I think you have to explore it, especially from the standpoint that one of the things Doug and I talked about in the offseason was injuries could just derail this thing very quickly in Brooklyn. Cameron Johnson being hurt could be a problem for this team. Nicholas Claxton going out can be a problem for this team. And there was one other note when we were looking over at those initial ones that I want to add here, the Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson going back to last season as well. They played 633 minutes and a 6.77 positive rating. Those are Simmons being on the floor. That's another key component to this. Not only are they successful in some of these other instances, but they're also successful without Ben Simmons. And that's not a knock on Ben but it's about saying, can this team play well 
if you don't have this on-ball facilitator in Ben Simmons. That's where Spencer Dinwiddie comes in. It may be, or as I alluded to, Dennis Smith Jr. comes into a little bit larger role here for this basketball team. But the other thing that we look at is talking about why this can work in another way as well. Cam Thomas has been amazing. You saw, I think, Doug posted up the other day. He's over 70% on true shooting percentage in the first two games of the season. He's been electric. He's also been clutch, and we'll talk about those moments too. We'll talk about usage as well in some late-game sequences. So, so Cam Thomas has arrived, and Cam Thomas needs to play big minutes. We initially had said coming into this year, well, you'd like to see him playing close to 20 minutes a night. That got blown out of the water. First two games, clearly this guy needs to be playing 25, 30 minutes a night. Needs to be up there with the Jock Vaughn. Hey, we don't want anyone to go beyond 30. Okay, fine, because we're going to run them hard, and we want them to be tired when they come out and fresh when they go back in. Great. Then put Cam Thomas down for being tired when you take him out and fresh when he goes back in, and hopefully fresh when he goes back into late-game sequences. Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons, another small sample size here, but 121 minutes going back to last season, a plus 5.6 rating, 121 and 115. And that's backing out Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, because we don't want in all these other scenarios with McHale and with Cameron Johnson and uh, with Dorian Finney-Smith, well, we know they came over after Spencer Dinwiddie. When it comes to these two players and Thomas and Simmons, they existed before the trade, they existed after the trade. But you know that it can work. And you also know that by watching that game in Dallas, they, they clearly have a chemistry there. And it's the combination of the perfect things. Ben Simmons doesn't want to shoot the ball, and Cam Thomas only wants to shoot the ball. So why not make that one of the most cohesive pairings that you have on this roster, mitigating the thing that, that Ben Simmons does not want to do and maximizing the thing that Cam Thomas does? Now, Cam Thomas has already displayed a far better ability playing within the offense. He's not going to make a ton of passes, but he does rotate the ball far better in these first couple of games this year than we saw going back to last season. And we've said this too, rough sample sizes a year ago, right? You're going to sit here and tell me that when he goes into garbage time and he's playing with non-starters and even non-rotation guys, that he's supposed to go with the ball? No. But now that we see that he can be successful, and now that we see, as Doug and I pointed out, going back to the trade deadline, essentially, at the, at the latest we said, and we said it earlier than that, but once you made those trades, Cam Thomas needed to be playing big minutes. And maybe you would have worked already out some of these kinks inside of these new rotations of players because if he and Mikhail Bridges maybe are, are offsetting one another or mitigating the value of each other maybe they would have sorted that out a little bit better if you just thrust him into the starting lineup last year or you at minimum played him last year and gave him real consistent minutes with some of these guys so you come into this season feeling more confident and more comfortable but the bottom line is they do play well together and this is a microscopic sample size that we cannot take to heart but when you add Spencer Dinwiddie into that mix with Simmons, 33 minutes, it's enormous. And Thomas, but they played to a plus 27, 143, 115. Too small. Can't use it. Like it, can't use it. But the, 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 the point here being is that this, let's call it a second unit. Because Mikhail Bridges isn't coming out of the starting rotation. Cameron Johnson, not coming out of the starting rotation. Some people may say, maybe you could, maybe you should, depending on how things play out. But he's not. Because these are the two guys, they're from the trade, it's the big contract, he's cemented there. But because Ben Simmons has this unique skill set, and because Nicholas Claxton exists right now on this team, it doesn't even have to feel like a demotion for Ben Simmons. Because I can make a case that a unit that has Cam Thomas and Ben Simmons as, quote, the second unit of the team, that could end up being one of the most dangerous in the league. 
if you surround him with other talented players, shooters like Lonnie Walker, who's been very effective in the opportunities he, that he's gotten flexing Spencer Dinwiddie from the first to second unit. So you make sure that you have another on ball guy that can create for himself that can facilitate for himself as well. He may be the bridge between that first and second unit. Dennis Smith Jr. may be a part of that bridge between the first and second unit. I hesitate around being too small with Thomas and Smith Jr., but if it can work, then it can work. And I worry about having Dennis Smith Jr. with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is on-ball facilitating, and I don't want Dennis Smith Jr. to get caught into this off-ball shooting, even if you know the two-corner threes notwithstanding. I don't want him to get thrust into a role that, again, is not maximizing his value. So if I can put myself into a second unit like this, I think that it can excel. And I think that it can maximize the strengths. You can also note a Dorian Finney-Smith Simmons lineup. They've been together. The sample size has been good. It's microscopic. Another note inside of the second unit, if you want to talk about feathering in players, and this is a both and, it's not just the players that I think should be playing, but it's also about the players that I think the Nets are going to play. O'Neal and Dinwiddie going back to last season. O'Neal was not in that starting rotation. 413 minutes, plus 6.4, 118-112. So you know that Royce O'Neal could come in and potentially complement what happens there in a Simmons, Cam Thomas, Royce O'Neal. You can flex Dorian Finney-Smith there if you want to. You can get in some Spencer Dinwiddie. You can use some Trendon Watford here. This is the other part of it that I want to get to, which is how do you take these units and make sure that you're balancing offense and defense size and versatility and giving opportunities to some other players on this roster. It exists, but you have to be willing to open things up. You have to be willing to give more to Lonnie Walker. Who's already shown in in camp and early this season. He can be that guy for you. He can knock down those perimeter shots with consistency. He can do some things on ball and get at the rim a little bit. Trendon Watford. He's the next guy that we need to discuss here and coming up in a second. In addition, to highlighting why Trendon Watford can be a key cog to this new version of the Nets. We're also going to take a look at over these first two games, usage, true percentage in late game critical sequences, and why we need to potentially split up McHale and Cam so that we maximize specifically McHale Bridges. We'll dive into that coming up next. First, going to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. That's because right now you can score early throughout this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So if you were me and your team was the Giants, you didn't win. So you're not going to get those $150, but you can do that over on FanDuel right now. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. If you were over there right now looking at the Brooklyn Nets for Monday night, plus one, or go on the money line and win minus 104. And you can go ahead and get that $150 on a $5 money line bet. Get over to FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right, so as we wrap up up today's Locked On Nets episode, we remind you, as we always do, 
If you're enjoying us and our post games over on YouTube, and if you're making sure that you're checking in with the podcast feed where we're putting up exclusive game day previews, you also want to be over on joinsubtext.com slash locked on nets. Join the locked on nets insider group. Doug and I are putting out little tidbits and notes all throughout game days, throughout post games, on the off days, and getting into great conversations with everybody over there. It's a free 14 day trial. So join the locked on nets insiders at joinsubtext.com slash locked on nets. Okay, so to close out here, the other thing that I was looking at is what we've seen so far in these first couple of games from the Brooklyn Nets when it comes to a couple of key categories. So I went over and on PBP, PBP stats, excuse me, .com, and looked at the score margin just this season in these first two games from minus five, from down five to up three, final two minutes. And we have 46 possessions across these two games. We have 56 points scored. And we have a 55% from the field percentage. We have 50% from deep, 10 to 20 on three-pointers. And yet the Brooklyn Nets are losing. But this further, I think, helps illustrate the idea of just figuring out how these teams, how this team, excuse me, is going to play together and what the best combinations might be. And then I want to get into the Trendon Watford piece here as well. But. Why does Cam Thomas need to have a dominant role? Why is Cam Thomas potentially the closer for this team? 28 possessions, down five, up three, final two minutes. 28 possessions, 17 points, seven of nine from the field. This is a guy in Cam Thomas that is putting together shot quality, which is the expected field goal percentage on the looks you're getting. The shot quality is coming in at 54. He's knocking down an effective field goal percentage of 63.64 and a true shooting percentage of almost 66. The guy has been absolutely elite lights out. And this is why the justifiable frustration from the fan base around why is he in there in the late game sequences, et cetera. In game number one, that was the case. In game number two, the gripe is that he's in there, but is the right facilitator on the court to get you there. All those things set aside, a usage rate of 39.39 for Cam Thomas. Now, you can call this a problem or not. You can say it's early days. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Smith Jr., Royce O'Neal, Lonnie Walker, Nick Claxton, Dorian Finney-Smith. They all have higher usage rates in these moments in the first two games of the season over Mikhail Bridges. Now, And these guys have been successful in a lot of ways. Spencer Dinwiddie, 30 possessions, has 10 points, has been bad from the field, has been great from beyond the arc, you know, 0 for 2 uh, from 2, but 3 of 6 from deep. He has a 49 shot quality, a 56 effective field goal percentage, and a 56 um, true shooting percentage. So he's been pretty good, right? Usage rate 25, 21 usage rate for Dennis Smith Jr. I go back to this one. In that second game, Dennis Smith Jr. got a little over his skis in terms of what he's supposed to be doing out there on the court. So you got to rein him in a little bit. Mentioned Royce O'Neal as well, three of five in these clutch moments from beyond the arc. But you can't get all the way down to Mikhail Bridges and have his usage be 11.11, down five to up three, final two minutes. You, you, he needs to be a guy that gets this ball, the ball in his hands for these moments. Now, if you want to make the case that Cam Thomas is that dude and he can go get those buckets late in the games, that's fine. But you have to find a way to have usage that aligns with talent. And right now, through two games, you don't have that specifically with Mikhail. So that's a potential problem here. Potential problem that you want to see the Brooklyn Nets address sooner rather than later. Now, the other piece here, when we go back to the top and talk about these rotations that I think make sense, we understand 
a Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Nicholas Claxton starting lineup. That's last year's lineup. And that lineup will lost more games than it won. Now, I could tell you that that lineup wouldn't have the same second unit that they would have this year. Or I could tell you that, again, it doesn't matter if they start or not. But that collection of players works well together. The other thing that I think can work well together and needs to happen sooner than later is thinking about. So you have Nicholas Claxton. You have Dayron Sharp. You have, you want to say, Cameron Johnson plays up at the four, technically, and Dorian Finney-Smith is the one-to-one replacement for him. Where does Trendon Watford fit into this operation? He's versatile. He has a little bit of on-ball skill. He can shoot from the outside. He's not a defensive player, but he at least has size that he can contribute on that end. And I actually think that he could end up being a nice component to how you balance out these rotations as well. As I go to my notes, because we could think about utilizing, as I looked at this kind of thinking about, okay, let's say that, let's just say Ben Simmons starts the game, but you pull him out quickly and Claxton gets in there or vice versa. Right. And we move into a a different look here, but Simmons and Thomas, and you keep cam and you keep Cameron Johnson, Dorian Finney Smith on the floor. And maybe you bring in Watford. Because we talk about getting the small ball five. Okay, well, well, let's keep the versatility of Dorian Finney-Smith defensively and his perimeter shooting and some of that size and length, and let's add in a little more bulk. Let's make sure that we have another guy that can play physically defensively, even if it's not ultra effective, and that can get out and run with Ben Simmons. Trendon Watford can be that guy. You come back with Spencer Dinwiddie, with Mikhail Bridges. You want to bring Johnson back in. You want to put Royce O'Neal in for his first taste, potentially. Now you can take Watford and you can leave him as a part of that unit if you wanted to as well. Bring Claxton back in now. Now Watford moves into that four role, but now you have Claxton anchoring things on the defensive end. You have that versatility. You now in all three of those units that I just mentioned there, in any version of when you want to bring them into the game, these are just conversations around players that need to be seen out there at times together. You have plenty of size with Johnson, Watford, and Claxton. If you go to Royce O'Neal, there's a little bit of the on-ball there, obviously, not as much as Cameron Johnson. There's some defensive value there, but you get a little bit smaller. But you still have Dinwiddie and Bridges, and that's versatility that you have offensively. Probably want to have a little more on-ball creation for sure, but then that's flat out just don't have enough of those guys in totality on this roster to make it work. Again, dial it back. How big is that lineup with Simmons, Finney-Smith, and Watford? And you want to say Harry Giles as well. Doug and I weren't as high on on the one game, big sample size from him. However, we said it in the camp. We'll say it again now. He did obviously show the ability to shoot. And then you need that in one of these operations here because De'Ron Sharp is the other potential problem because he can get you rebounds and he can shoot three-pointers in in camp and in training camp and in preseason. But if he isn't going to do them in the games, then it's like having the same issue here. You don't want to have Claxton and Dayron Sharp play too much together. You don't want to have Simmons and Dayron Sharp play too much together. You don't want to have Claxton and Simmons play too much together. So you need to introduce somebody else. And we know a major gripe for this team has been that they have not successfully necessarily addressed a big rebounding perimeter shooting player that can help on, on both ends of the floor consistently. We get that. But this is what we have to manufacture and work with. So there's ways to manipulate through this. And I mentioned also as well, a Dennis Smith Jr., Mikhail Bridges, Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Johnson, and Claxton, and Simmons. Like You can mix and match these as well. 
And Cam Thomas needs to be a through thread inside of this. No matter what you do, you have to come back to a place where Bridges and Cam Thomas do play together. I'm not calling for them to never see the floor together. I'm not referring to them the way we may refer to Ben Simmons and Nicholas Claxton. These guys can never coexist. But once you introduce one fundamental issue inside of your rotations, players that cannot operate well together, it does have a trickle-down effect. You can maximize this team by creating balanced units that can blend over two or three players but that can mitigate the risk around four or five other guys, specifically say four guys, right? Bridges, Cam Thomas. We just want to get them separated because I want to maximize Mikhail Bridges. We want to get Claxton and Simmons away from one another because they're both good, but they both don't shoot. If you can find a way to do that, you can find a way to be successful. And it's not like the Brooklyn Nets have been a disaster. They've been in both of these games. I don't think anyone's surprised if we said the Nets were 0-2 to start the season. I think we're disappointed at the fact that you've seen the way these games have played out. And when you go back and you go 125, 120, the Cleveland Cavaliers, when we were winning in that game, 114, 113, sorry, reverse that, 114, 113 against Cleveland, when we're winning in that game, winning against Dallas, uh, 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 Luca, or is it luck, whatever it is, a heave up bank shot goes in. So yeah, they're 0 2. But they can win against Charlotte. They could win against Miami. They could win against Chicago. So I'm not saying you need to blow this thing up, but you do have to take the samples you're getting as guys have come and gone from the lineup with injuries and apply it. And that comes down to Jock Vaughn and his coaching staff. And I think they will. I think that it's going to be a little bit more frustrating early in the season than I would like it to be. But by the time we get to games 10 to 15 and 15 to 20, I think we'll be talking about a more cohesive understanding of who has critical roles to this roster and who's going to be there in the big moments in the big spots. We will, as we always remind you, be back tomorrow on the post game following the tilt with the Charlotte Hornets mentioned just plus one over on FanDuel. So that's, it's a coin flip, but the Nets should win this game. We'll also talk about on our game day preview exclusively on the podcast feed. So make sure you're over there. If you're on YouTube as well, Nicholas Claxton out Cameron Johnson out. So the Brooklyn Nets are going to be without two of those players again, which is another reason to lean into some of these additional players on the bench. Get over to YouTube and subscribe. Turn on the alerts so you know when we're going live. You uh, get over to joinsubtext.com slash locked on nets and be a part of that conversation as well. You follow at Doug Norrie on Twitter. You follow at Adam Arbeck on Twitter. You follow at Locked on Nets on Twitter. And then in the end of the day, you come back for more Brooklyn Nets basketball. With no Doug Norrie, there is no quote short of saying that I miss my friend. And I can't wait till he's back so we can keep talking all things Brooklyn Nets basketball. Basketball.